0: Welcome to ZulcanaCast, two broads talking broadly about health, the physical, the emotional, the nitty-gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual and is intended for general information for educational purposes only.
1: Welcome to Soul SoulConocast, Season 2, Episode 6, Digestion and Deload. I am one of your hosts, Hannah Whiteyvin.
0: And I'm one of your other hosts, Lucia Holly.
1: And there could be so many more, you never know. You Well, there's always a secret host, Petey. Oh, Petey McTavish, the secret <laughs> host. He's quiet, but he runs the soundboard well, and uh, he runs the cute board well. He, he's always wearing headphones,
0: making things happen.
1: Giving us quiet signals, just, like, moving his paw in a circle, like, let's get, keep it going. Like, right now, he's looking at me and he's like, stop talking about me. This is about you, and it's about health, it's about wellness, and now is not the time to focus on your secondary producer. No treat for you. Actually, he's staring at nothing. He's staring at the wall. <laughs> Anyway, it's so cute
0: He's good at it
1: uh, How was your
0: week? Oh man, my week has been flying by Yeah, really Lots of good stuff Still keeping up with my green juice
1: I just had some Yeah I feel like there's so much stuff in my teeth No It's good though But I do feel like a lot <laughs> of stuff is in my teeth I have kind of a stuff in my teeth problem Yeah, I do too My teeth are really close together God, so are mine yeah. Did you ever have braces? No Me neither So, yeah, yeah. so I feel like my teeth are, like, just sitting right on top of each other. Chia seed anything. Oh, thank you. Pesto? No, thank you. I better eat that in private. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm like, big smile, tons of green. (laughs) And no one ever tells you. No, I love it when people do because you're like, thank you. That's a
0: true friend. Someone's like, you got a lot of crap in your mouth. And it's not a big deal. It's just, it's just an observation.
1: It's also like, hey, I'm trying to help you out. I know your image is sacred to you and your ego is very fragile. Oh, so, so So fragile. I've taught like a whole, like two crossfire classes in a row. And then I go to the bathroom and there's like a broccoli, like a whole broccoli floret in my tooth. Yeah. And no one said a God dang word (laughs) for two hours. (laughs) And you like to tell yourself that like, oh, it must have just gotten there. But you're like, wait, I ate lunch like six hours ago. (laughs) Like nobody's told me. And I've seen so many people. It just set up camp. Ugh. Just been living. I once went to a job interview and I had like pepper in my front tooth. No. Yeah. That's a- I didn't get the job. No. <laughs> but it might have been because I was underqualified for the position. I don't know. Anyway, so anything else besides the green juice?
0: Uh, well, I finally signed up for sling tv so i could watch the olympics sling for free tv yeah well you can do a free seven-day trial oh so, so
1: that's just long enough to see most of the olympics except for four of the days
0: yeah exactly and then i'm gonna uh uh have a little um meeting with myself and figure out what i want to do after that but oh yeah if well, I,
1: what is sling tv
0: it's like a it's it's an uh an app kind of a thing on oh, my roku and, uh, it, and it and just gives you access to a bunch of different channels. Got it. So it's like who needs cable? I mean really it is. Now that I am in this free trial, they're yeah. really they might it might no longer be free after the 7 days for right. me.
1: We use um we have the Embassy app on our Apple TV. Oh nice. And we use someone's login yeah, <laughs> for yeah. DirecTV and the only thing is like I don't have a lot of time to watch the Olympics like I would love to just like take off for 11 days because I love watching the Olympics. It makes me feel like a true patriot. Definitely. I love sports, but I especially love sports where countries are competing against one another. So I feel like it brings out the best in every athlete Mm. and the most drama. National pride and national drama. Yeah. National pride plus xenophobia plus really good athleticism. You know, you're like about to see some major takedowns. The recipe for success. Yeah. And then the weightlifting, all the all the weightlifting world um has been eyes on the Olympics watching all the drama unfold and there has been some really solid drama. Yeah. Because the Russians are not there. They usually come you know, are always in the top three in every weight class, but they're not there because they've been doping. So now it's like an all out battle for who can take down the Chinese weightlifters. But like so many times the Chinese weightlifters have taken themselves out by like missing their lifts or uh like one guy in the 62 kilo men's class. He got like a crazy cramp in his calf. Really? And he couldn't even lift. Like oh. he came out to do his first snatch attempt and he couldn't even do it because his leg cramped up so bad and he just like dropped out. Could you imagine ha- that happening at the Olympics? No. Uh. <laughs> I would feel like my life would be over, even though
0: spectators would be like, "No, no, no, it's fine." But that pressure—that's oh on, yeah. I don't think the spectators
1: you... were like, "That's fine." Oh. I was at home like, "You do it, you do it." But he, <laughs> he couldn't through that cramp. He couldn't, and so like he was the projected winner, and he didn't win. The guy from Columbia won, oh. and it was amazing to see him win. And then he retired. And so, what in in weightlifting, if you retire, you put your shoes on the platform Uh uh-huh so he finished his last lift he got gold he was in tears so excited took off his shoes and put them on the platform and i was at home just like tears streaming down my face i'm getting misty right now yeah and i didn't even know i didn't know he's gonna retire i didn't really follow i follow him on instagram but i hadn't been like keeping up if he was planning if he had announced it but it seemed like a surprise Wow. or it seemed at least like it was Oh, it was such a moment. I was like, this is the kind of stuff you remember for years to come. Yeah. Um, yeah, my week has been Olympics, trying to watch the Olympics. Yeah. Mostly, like, uh, connecting with the Ragnar team, trying to figure out what we're doing. Tell people what Ragnar is, too. Uh, it's like a 200-mile run where you have 12 people. That's so many yeah, miles. it is. And you rotate legs. So, like, I'm on team, I'm on, like, team two of our team mm. so I'll be the first runner from our our team but not I'll be the actual the seventh runner from our team if okay that makes sense. yeah team one will go and they'll do six legs and then I'll do the seventh leg and my first leg of running is six po- six miles it's listed as six miles very hard I'm like six miles is very hard What do you mean six very hard (laughs) So I'm imagining it's just six miles Straight uphill So I really hope it's not But we'll find out What time of the day is it For me it'll probably be Like one or two o'clock It depends on how fast the first group goes Yeah And then the next time around It'll be sometime between um, 2 a.m. and 8 a.m. And then my last heat will be sometime around, like, 1, 1 p.m. again the next day. Okay. So it's, like, you know, middle of the day, middle of the night, middle of the day yeah. are my runs. But everyone's runs are different. So, like, two of our runners are going to be um, – two of their runs are going to fall during the nighttime. Wow. So so it'll be really fun. And I think uh, I'm looking forward to it because it, it'll be fun to hang out with the team. Yeah. I'm trying to tell myself, like – do your best. Don't freak out. You know, don't go into it with like high anxiety because it's just meant to be. It's for the experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also like an athletic challenge, but yeah. we're not gonna
0: win. Yeah. <laughs> well, this. I mean, it seems like your group came together within, I'd say, like the past three
1: or four months. Or three or four, more like I, two. Okay. So like we pretty much came together eight weeks before the, uh, before the event. So we had eight weeks to train. Yeah. Which is not a lot of time. No. Luckily, I'm, like, you know, pretty well-trained on other stuff, so it hasn't <laughs> pretty been... Quote unquote, pretty, quote-unquote, pretty well-trained. <laughs> it hasn't <laughs> been, like, like too challenging to add in running, but it's been... it Running for long distance has surprised me. Yeah. Like, the things that happen to my body surprise me. Like what? Like, the soreness that happens mm. is weird, like, in my low back. Um... Which, you know, I'm just like working on building a stride that makes sense. Yeah. Uses m- the right parts of my body. But you just get fatigued from hanging out in that position for so long. Um, I was getting weird like diaphragm soreness. Interesting. Because I was breathing incorrectly at first. Huh. Uh, ankles, obviously. calves, obviously. But I got new shoes. So I just learned a lot of stuff. that I'm really glad I did the training because I wouldn't have been able to just jump into this.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, because I found out like where I'm going to get blisters on my feet. So now I can tape them beforehand right. and prevent that. Like, I found out that my my toes, like, rub together when I run. Mm.
0: Who I'm knew? Like, oh,
1: yeah, who would have guessed? <laughs> you don't know until you run 10 miles and you get a blister on your toe and you're like, ow! <laughs> so
0: That's a very exciting week. Yeah. And I, I'm so excited to be able to check in next week, too, and hear how it all went. How tired I am yeah. from doing two
1: days of running and no sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's my week. Let's move on. Um, We did not have challenges from last week. Yeah, that's okay. You know, life is a challenge right now. It was so exciting interviewing Alex as well that we didn't even need
1: them. She was great. It was really nice to have her visit. She stayed at my house. Oh, that sounds dreamy. I know. I was like, oh, this is so nice. And I drove her to the airport at 5 a.m. the next (laughs) day. And we were both so dead tired. Uh, I almost got lost. I live like two minutes from the airport. Yeah, you're really close. Yeah. Uh, but it was great And then Yeah, she made it home safe and sound Good And y'all should follow her on Instagram pants, At chance. She, I love all
0: of her posts I mean, seeing her be so strong But then other posts where she's talking about She'll talk about, like, food And some
1: different health stuff That's, Yeah That's really
0: cool to see Yeah, she's great Yeah
1: So this week's episode We're talking about digestion and deload Yeah, Which is, yeah. Uh, for me I feel like for both of us It's a great segue from last segue segue right away from last week's episode because organics definitely uh i mean what you eat definitely has some effect on your digestion definitely (laughs) and overload can is nothing without deload yeah so boom segue master of the (laughs) segue so let's talk about digestion i'm sure this could be like four episodes in a row right you took the words
0: out of my mouth this is today's episode for digestion is a general overview of the digestive process and the different parts in later episodes I am so gonna get into very detailed um, discussions about different parts of digestion Mm -hmm. but for today I'm gonna break down how that process works what it looks like are you ready
1: I'm, yes I'm gonna I'm laying on the floor Hannah is laying on the floor I have one glass of Prosecco So I'm hungover (laughs) Last night Uh, Okay So And also I just wanna I wanna lay here And I wanna visualize The digestive track
0: Okay While you're doing that Again It's like you're You know We're two sides of a coin Can I just say that Because you're reading my mind again
1: Yay I'm gonna have
0: you just uh, Look over at me briefly And notice (laughs) She's holding up a picture did you draw that? I did not. But a family member that I didn't really know very well did. And I wish I had known them better because I got this. And I was like, this is perfect. Ugh. I use it in my classes. I'm holding up a
1: picture of. It's a digestive. Well, it's OK. It's a guy from the side. The guy has an absurdly big nose. Yeah. He does. Is that his mouth? His lips are droopy. It's Homer Simpson, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? We're going to call him Homer. Homer. Okay, well, Homer... It's like it's like a droopy lip, sort of like Simpson-esque cartoon image from the side. He's got a big nose and a big old mouth. And then inside of his body, the digestive tract is blue. It's like colored in blue. You can see his spine. Yep. And, so uh, yeah. Tell me...
0: So the whole the entire digestive system is drawn in blue. And I'll, I'll link to this so people can see what we're talking about. It's great. You see it on my social media sometimes. I like to take pictures of this picture. <laughs> uh, where, Where is the first, if you're looking from top to bottom, where is the first blue part? The brain.
1: Interesting. Yep. The brain and then the mouth and the throat and then the uh, esophagus. Yep. Yep. I almost said esophageal, which is like the tissue that the esophagus is made of, right? Yeah, and there's esophageal sphincter. Anyway, so sure the word? esophagus into the stomach, into the large intestine, small intestine, and right out the butt. There you go. There's no butt in the picture, but you can <laughs> assume. Yeah, yeah. But okay. his butt seems to be like in a weird spot. Well, you know, it's a drawing. <laughs> some artistic
0: liberty, but for the most part, it's pretty spot on. Anyway, so number one thing to know about our digestive our digestion and the digestive tract and everything is that it's a north to south process
1: that makes sense yeah i'm really glad it's not south to north it would be what a world (laughs) (laughs) what a world i don't want (laughs) to that's even gross to just imagine (laughs) people pooping out their mouths
0: some people have
1: what no what why why
0: no. Uh, yeah, we won't. We won't go there. But Why not, though? Can we go there?
1: <laughs> Why does that happen? Is that
0: real? It has happened. Why? The a major gastrointestinal. I mean, just like major, I mean, like it will never happen in normal life. You're but, so
1: close to death at that point.
0: But like major issues happening. Yeah. Where you maybe you can't poop, but your body's like this has to go somewhere. I mean, major issues.
1: No, I'm going to be Googling that so mm-hmm. hard later. Google. Google that. Google that. That's <laughs> disgusting. I'm so glad that's not our world, because how embarrassing would that be? Yeah, luckily for everyone
0: else, sorry to those people who that has happened to.
1: Yeah, you're probably not listening, though, because you're probably dead. Oh,
0: no. Oh, no. Okay, so digestion. North (laughs) to south process. Good. When most people think of that, they think of, okay, yeah, so when I eat food, it goes into my mouth, and that's where it starts. Wait, we're going to backtrack. It starts higher than the mouth. It actually starts in our brain what? because we're hungry? Because yeah, our brain what it's doing is it's deciding am I eating? And then it's controlling
1: all the rest of the functions uh, that are happening in our body. So I wish it and it didn't because that would make it a lot easier to cuz right like last night for example, mm-hmm. I was at the the Blue Door mm-hmm. and I looked at a burger and I was like I'm eating that. And then I ate it. And I ate a lot of it, and then I ate a lot of tots, and I had a glass of prosecco. <laughs> Maybe I'm hungover from the tots. Ooh, anyway, tot, tot hangover. Yeah, could be. But uh, if the, my brain wasn't a part of that, I wouldn't have. To, I wouldn't even think about. I'd be like, nah. Yeah. Don't eat it. Right. Body's yeah. not. Not body's not really craving
0: it. Yeah. One. So cravings come into play, but also the main takeaway I want people to learn about when we think about the brain and digestion is that. Our brain, what we're thinking about, decides whether our body is going to be in a parasympathetic state, so that rest and digest mode, or right. if it's going to be in the sympathetic mode, which is fight, flight, or freeze. So our bodies are going through those day-to-day. We're flipping in and out of them. It's easy. It's not necessarily a conscious decision, but you can consciously decide to try to help your body be in one or the other. Uh-huh. A lot of the times we're in that sympathetic, that stressed out mode. Yeah, way like 100% often. of the time. Yeah, way more often than we think. So we can be eating in that mode, but when we're eating in that mode, our body's not going to fully give um, full processes over to digesting.
1: Oh. So you mean when I'm like trying to get work done and also eating lunch, standing at my desk, I'm probably not actually digesting that food very well? Yeah.
0: Great. Yeah. So one tip for people, it might sound so silly, but it really, it can be quite profound, is taking two deep breaths in and out before a meal. Uh-oh. Also choosing to sit down, moving away from distractions, being outside, especially it's summer right now. If your feet can be in the grass and you're eating lunch, doesn't that sound nice? Yeah. Yeah. It's already shifting you over into parasympathetic. Yeah. I'm just like thinking asleep about asleep it. Just <laughs> I'm like,
1: oh, right. I could be in parasympathetic mode right now. What what
0: your brain is also doing w- when you are in that parasympathetic, so that rest and digest state, your brain is informing, okay, I'm, I'm ready for food. I'm looking at the food that I'm getting. I'm excited about that food. Right. I'm then salivating because my body is getting prepared to start to eat that food. When you're salivating, if we move down the digestive tract, so from brain to mouth, saliva is a big factor in digestion too. Especially salivary amylase Mm -hmm. That's an enzyme That really is the first place Where we start to break down Carbohydrates especially So in our mouth We're moving from the brain In our mouth We have saliva That's important We also That's the mechanical breakdown Of our food So we're chewing That's something else When we're in that sympathetic And stressed out mode Most of us Will scarf our food Yeah Or if we have two seconds to eat Because we didn't schedule time to eat Or running out the door We're eating in the car One chomp Two chomp swallow tops yeah you basically are just like <laughs> <laughs> take that yep done yeah i fulfilled the need right again our bodies will digest the food that we're putting in it's not like we're gonna like poop out a burger if we just chew it <laughs> in two bites. but
1: oh, what a different world <laughs> so glad that's not
0: real but also pun intended our bodies will not likely be able to fully break down those proteins carbohydrates and fats
1: So you might have planned this like perfect meal that fits your macros or whatever, but then you eat it on the run and you're like not really getting, like you might not even get all that protein, all that
0: stuff into your system. Yes. And so that's one thing. When people Mm. are so focused on quality and or quantity of food, that's great. But we also have to take into account what's the environment that we're eating our food in. Oh, geez. someone, Someone could have the most wholesome, quote unquote, perfect diet, but if their body can't break down and assimilate the nutrients. That's something to take into consideration. Right. Okay, so brain, mouth, tongue, teeth, saliva. Yep. Next, so we've we've chewed up that food. That food is now called um a bolus, so it's it's food that's been chewed up in like a little ball of A
1: bolus. Yeah, chewed up food. Spelled like a bola? <laughs> no.
0: B O L U S.
1: Very similar, though. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, if if my brother were here, he would have a great, like, government conspiracy to connect that to. Well, hey, next time. Yeah. He's, he's always good for a good government conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should interview my brother and just ask him about his <laughs> conspiracy theories.
0: So, our bodies, we start to swallow that food. When we swallow that chewed up food... That is then going to go into our stomach I'm seeing it I'm our, picturing it Our stomach is higher up than I think a lot of people think It's like right under your ribs? Yeah, it's kind of um, near your sternum Near where your two rib cages meet Right So closer so up when to you your pe- chest
1: So when people say they have stomach ache Probably a lot of times they mean intestinal Yeah, ache?
0: more more of like a belly ache, intestinal ache exactly. Oh, okay Yeah, so stomach ache is going to be higher So in the stomach that we have stomach acid uh, our stomach acid levels are about as acidic as lemon juice Oh. so on the ph scale which is acid and alkalinity scale it's going to be around 3.0 is ideal stomach acid okay so pretty acidic we have that acid there because that's where our food is broken down yeah especially proteins that's a big place where we can break down the dietary protein that we're getting into amino acids and peptides, which are smaller versions of those protein molecules. So that's what happens when stomach is doing its job. Right. One thing that can happen, again, if especially when we're in a stressed out state, we're in that sympathetic mode, we're not thinking about our food, we aren't getting sleep, we're just stressed out in general, our stomach acid levels can be too low.
1: Oh meaning, no.
0: Meaning that our stomach is too alkaline. When that happens, we're still gonna eat food. We're still gonna be digesting it. We're still gonna have some stomach acid. However, it won't be able to break down the food that's coming in because there just isn't as there isn't enough acid to do the job.
1: So will you just feel more bloated or like, yeah, so food. Uncomfortable? Will,
0: food will sit in your stomach longer because it'll just take longer to do that breakdown. And this is a big factor. This is actually a big factor in heartburn and acid reflux. Oh. So, interesting side note, when someone commonly has heartburn yeah. or stomach acid issues,
1: yep. what do they take? Uh, they take something to make their stomach less acidic.
0: Yeah, they take an antacid. Yeah, that makes no sense. Yeah, like Tums. Because when you're when you're experiencing that, it's highly uncomfortable. You're, you you yeah. feel acidic. You feel like something is burning in your esophagus.
1: You don't think like I should really drink some vinegar
0: right now. <laughs> right. And in the short term, that what that tums is doing, it's you're swallowing it, you're chewing it up. It is going to neutralize the acid that is in your esophagus because we want stomach acid. Yeah, but just we, like the stuff that's at the top. Right. What's happening when we have low stomach acid is that that food is sitting there, carbohydrates especially will start to ferment when those carbohydrates ferment they create co2 when that when there's co2 in our stomach that's going to put pressure on our um, esophageal valve right so we have a valve that stops food normally from going back out of our stomach back into our esophagus but when there's pressure on it that flap can then open and then that food is able to travel up the esophagus and it's already been mixed up with stomach acid. So when oh. we have heartburn, it's because that acid is in the wrong place. Yeah. So when we take an antacid, it's neutralizing that. It's, it's basically... But just at the top, right? It's a Band-Aid. Ah. It's fixing the concern in the moment, but it's not fixing the root cause.
1: That's so interesting. Cause, yes. Uh, just an anecdotal connection. Josh, my husband, has heartburn a lot of the time he just finished the essential use so now he doesn't have any heartburn Yeah, (laughs) Uh, because he feels great but he was having heartburn pretty consistently using Tums but it wasn't really helping and my mom got him this thing from the farmer's market that is like an anti-heartburn thing and it's made with apple cider vinegar as the first ingredient love it so it's like this bottle of liquid and apple cider vinegar there's a couple of other like vinegar type of things in there but there's like a cultured element to it like mm-hmm. it's it's essentially very potent vinegar and you take a very small amount right but it's highly acidic
0: I love that so
1: very interesting
0: good job farmers market yeah people. so that's exactly if if you want to start to be getting to the root cause of acid reflux a changing the quality of the food that's of course going to be a concern however B, Looking at ways to increase stomach acid. So, taking, bringing in things that are acidic. Right. You can take betaine HCl, that's a supplement, discussion for another day. You can take a shot of apple cider vinegar before meals. So yeah. Wake up that digestive system. Um, digestive bitters are another option. So digest bitters, you take a little bit of those. You're really taking them for the bitter taste, so it's a little
1: bit less pleasant
0: if you're not a fan of
1: bitterness. Yeah, I don't know about a shot of apple cider vinegar being very pleasant either. Yeah. You I've be- been trying that, and it is, woo. It wakes it wakes something
0: up. It wakes up everything. <laughs> Makes you feel like you're going to poop yourself. Yeah. So the one caveat with all of this is if you have a stomach ulcer. Oh, so don't do it. Yeah, right? if, if that's the case, then you want to take... A different step first where you want to be soothing and healing the gut lining. But you probably already
1: know that if you have an ulcer. Right. Because it's pretty painful. It's very painful. And you went to the doctor about it because it's so much pain. (laughs) Yeah. So stomach.
0: We have brain, mouth, tongue, stomach. Next up, stomach is going to, so it's digested our food. That is going to, now that mixture of stomach acid and food particles is called chyme. C H Y M mm-hmm. E, that's gonna move into our small intestine. There it goes. That is a pretty acidic paste that's in our small intestine. Because of that acidity, our small intestine then triggers the pancreas to release sodium bicarbonate to help make that mixture more alkaline so it won't burn the rest of our digestive system. Yeah. Because if it stayed too acidic, that's what it would do. That acid really we really just want it to be in our stomach. Right. In addition, If we have fats from the meal that we ate, if those fats are now in that chyme, it's going to trigger our gallbladder to release bile. Interesting. Our bile is released from the gallbladder. It's made in the liver. It's released when there's dietary fat because that is what really breaks down and emulsifies
1: the dietary fat.
0: So we have these different parts in our digestive system that are especially aimed towards digesting and breaking down some of the different macronutrients.
1: Um let me ask you something yeah so once it breaks down the dietary fat in there that's when the you can like absorb fat into your body and actually use it store it yeah and and use it for energy yep yeah so when people you know that uh diet supplement alley yeah okay yeah when that does that diet supplement prevent that that from happening it prevents that breakdown of Dietary fat Yeah I've wondered about that I haven't researched it But I
0: had the same question That you did When I would see those Commercials for that I was like Are we getting
1: Deficiencies Because of this Well right But I, I think People were complaining That they were like This is gonna be a Poop episodes Should we put a Like a trigger warning At the <laughs> top of it People were complaining About Allie Because they were Pooping their pants With fatty poop mm-hmm, Do you know yeah. what I'm saying Yep And their poop They were, were getting like Like a, a fat fart <laughs> Like greasy Like, uncomfortable. Undigested fats. Yes. Yeah, just passing through them. Yeah, and so then Allie, like, released a statement that was like, oh, you shouldn't eat fats when you're taking this (laughs) dietary supplement. Oh, man. So not only do you take the supplement to help you lose weight, you also don't eat any fat.
0: So don't absorb the calories from the fats that you're eating. Don't absorb the four fat-soluble vitamins. Just poop it out. Yeah, so gross. So, that is so... That kind of a thing is hard for me to hear. Yeah. I mean,
1: you're going to lose weight, but it's not going to be pleasant and
0: it's not going to be good weight. And that doesn't support. Yeah. Just because you lose weight doesn't mean that you're becoming healthier.
1: No. A lot of times people lose weight because they're overly stressed because their bodies are going through a terrible cycle of whatever. Right. That's a cycle I want to help
0: break. Yeah. Is okay If you lose fat, it's because your body's becoming healthier. Its functions are increasing you're able to pull more nutrients than less nutrients all those are huge huge questions right so yes we need our gallbladders because they have an important role in digesting fats our gallbladders can develop um, gallstones and that's the reason why a lot of people have their gallbladders removed you can again you can function without a gallbladder but um, it's harder to pull out the nutrients and that good energy from dietary fats. Uh. So if you are someone that doesn't have a gallbladder, that's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about it. But what can be really helpful is thinking about using um, bile acids as a supplement. Ah, uh, that makes sense. When you're yeah. eating. Because so you're, you're, you're not
1: getting your own source of bile. Right. You're,
0: you're choosing to supplement with bile. So bile comes in. Um, also, one thing to note is that if we're, if we're eating a low-fat diet, That's something that can also have an effect on our gallbladder because it's really, ideally, only shooting out that bile once we're eating fat. So if you basically never eat fat or you eat really poor quality fat, it won't shoot out that bile. And that bile can actually become kind of more viscous and thick and start to stagnate in the gallbladder.
1: Is that how you get something like a gallstone?
0: Yeah, it can be kind of, it can... um, It can start you on a track that you don't want to go down. Oh, okay. So that's another reason we want to emphasize low processed natural fats and eating enough of them so that your gallbladder is always needing to work a little bit and shoot out a little bit of bile. Right. So that's in our small intestine. A lot of things are happening. Yeah. We have the sodium bicarbonate coming in. We have the bile coming in and we have what's actually happening in the small intestine. In the small intestine, that's where most nutrients are being absorbed. Oh, you need that guy. You need that guy. It's very important. It can be irritated. Um, That's a big reason why taking out uh, pro-inflammatory foods can feel really helpful for a lot of people because we're taking out these foods that are harder to digest. So we're cutting the small intestine some slack.
1: And would that def- would that like instantly decrease bloating in that area? Like that low belly bloating that you feel? Is that the is that from your small
0: intestine? It can be. There can you can have um, a lot of bloating can uh, there are different reasons for it, but uh. a main reason can be because of an imbalance of bacteria and yeast. We want good bacteria, we want good yeast. However, most of that is occurring in the large intestine. Right. That being said, sometimes because of issues those even good bacteria can be in the wrong place so we can have um, an inappropriate array of bacteria and yeast in our small intestine which could contribute to bloating definitely or if we just have food that we haven't chewed up that's gone through a stomach with low stomach acid we could also have bloating because of that because there's still big chunks of undigested food that are now in our small intestine and our large intestine so there's a trickle down effect right yes hopefully this is becoming clear where we, when we're thinking about digestion we're thinking of ways to support it, we want to start north of the process. Brain. Because that, yeah, that trickle-down effect is going to affect all the other organs that are coming into play. Right. So even if there might be an imbalance of yeast, let's say we have a candida overgrowth in the large intestine, yeah, we could target that large intestine. But let's think, uh, am I in, am I relaxed when I eat? Do I chew my food? Am I eating enough food? Am I eating unprocessed fats? Am I starving myself? Am I starving myself? All of that can contribute to things that are occurring later on down the line. (sighs) So in our small intestine, I think this stuff is fascinating. (laughs) I do too. (laughs) It's also like, wow, got a lot of work to do. It's complicated, but if you take it step by step, again, it all informs one another. So in the small intestine, um, that's also a place where you hear about leaky gut syndrome. So leaky gut is when... Oh, isn't that a popular term? It is. What's what's really happening with that, and that could be a whole separate episode, but what's really happening with that is that our gut wall lining is inflamed. um, We have junctions between our cells that make up the lining of that small intestine. If those junctions become loose and those cells separate even just a little bit, then any undigested food particles can then travel through that cell wall of the small intestine into our bloodstream. When we have foreign... Molecules, especially foreign protein molecules in our bloodstream, our immune system, which is smart, is going to look at those and say, "Hey, there's an invader in here." Right. Then it's going to mount an attack on those foreign particles that are in our bloodstream. When it mounts an attack, that is also a huge contributor contributor to um, chronic inflammation, which then is chronic stress. When our body is always, to some degree, trying to fight off something that is in the bloodstream that shouldn't be.
1: Dang. So chew your food. <laughs> yeah, slow down. Man, that's a, good, that's a good one for me because I feel like I eat so quickly. Mm-hmm. And my whole family does. Like we sat down for dinner last week and we just finished that stuff in a minute. I was the slowest one oh, and man. I eat very quickly.
0: <laughs> yeah, so with that, thinking about chewing your food, you don't need to chew your food, you know, a hundred times. But just recognizing what's the texture of my food right now before I swallow. Is, it, is right. it more of a paste? Is it like, is this lettuce leaf just like chewed once and then swallowed? <laughs> yep. Yep. Or just swallowed. Or just swallowed. So always lots of different things to be thinking about. Going back to the small intestine, that once we pull out nutrients from there, the food then travels into the large intestine through the ileocecal valve. We have a valve that connects small and large intestine. Travels through there. Large intestine is where... Um, some B vitamins can be made. There's going to be good bacteria in there, good yeast as well. Um, we're going to be absorbing any extra water in our large intestine, absorbing any extra nutrients that maybe the small intestine didn't catch for whatever reason. So, go through our large intestine, um, up one side of our body, down the other, and then we poop it out. Great. Yeah. Again, I'm glad large we that. In- something that can go wrong with the large intestine mainly going to be the balance of bacteria so and yeast. So thinking about, am I eating foods that give me good bacteria and yeast? Am right. I eating fermented, lacto-fermented foods or drinks? Kombucha, sauerkraut, beet kvass, any other fermented vegetables, uh, yogurt, kefir, any of those things. I'm on
1: that yogurt train.
0: Yeah, yogurt train. Big time yogurt train. 2016 yogurt train.
1: Yeah, I found some great stuff at Target. Um, Target has
0: really great options and I am just in love with our world right now that fermented foods are are the jam. And that there are different strains of yogurt. Yeah. Like Icelandic skier. That
1: Icelandic skier is what I've been (laughs) doing, or pure, P-U-R. Yeah. Uh, That's really good. It's very, it's like sour cream. Yeah, it can be very thick, very creamy. It's thick, it's very savory. And the
0: difference, the reason there are different types of yogurt or kefir or skier or pure pure (laughs) pure. is those are different cultures cultures means there are different bacteria that are inoculating that medium the dairy the milk and creating those different products nice yeah so thinking about having a whole array keep it interesting try different stuff those are going to give you different bacteria which is great awesome i can do that yeah so my challenge for you hannah is hearing that you're kind of a food scarfer such a scarfer. Ugh. it's going to be two part first part at least one meal a day I want you to take two deep breaths in and out before eating that meal okay and then when you're eating that meal I want you at least for the first five bites to be noticing how you're chewing it okay are you chewing it up and there's and then you move it around your mouth and there still might be uh like I said lettuce leaf or potato or meat that isn't chewed up or is it pretty much a paste and it's ready to be swallowed? Notice how that feels. If it's stressful, then maybe take a few more breaths. Right. Slow down. Yeah, slow down. Eat the food. And then notice how that makes you feel afterwards,
1: after the meal. I can do that. Cool. I have been taking up the habit of trying to read. Oh, that's nice. While I'm eating. Yeah. Which slows me down because I want to read more. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, when the food's done, the reading is done. Mm. So I got to really go slow. Got to read this book. Yeah. I've been reading some scary books. Oh.
0: I want to read a scary book.
1: I have so many recommendations for you. Okay. I'm much excited. <laughs> yeah, you should be excited. Uh Jennifer McMahon. Try her books. Okay. They're all great. Okay. Start with Winter People. Ooh, that sounds creepy. It's creepy. <laughs> all right, that's what I got for digestion. Okay. Well, we could talk about D-load. Please. Um So last week when we talked about overload, we talked about the process of increasing stress on your system so that you can improve and get stronger. So last week we talked about overload. We talked about purposely uh, stressing your muscles so that you can improve and increase your strength. And on the flip side of that, deload has to be there in order for you to actually gain strength.
0: You can't always overload
1: can't always overload but you also can't always deload (laughs) so (laughs) damn it (laughs) I know I see both of these things happen a lot one I see people uh, want to overload and they continue to overload and they never take a deload and then you can imagine what would come from that injury injury but also high levels of fatigue fatigue adrenal yeah adrenal fatigue but also lack of muscle growth so they might actually see that they're not gaining muscle in the areas that they want to, or just in general, because they're overtraining those muscle groups so that they can't actually recover. Because we've talked about this in previous episodes, but in order for your muscles to get bigger, they have to go through a process of breakdown and repair. And if there's no repair, then they're just broken down then all Then they're the just time. broken down. Ouch! Yeah. And you can definitely, you know, work out on muscles that are going through breakdown, but... Uh, you can't just repeat the same stressor in the same way all the time on those muscles, or they won't—they just won't repair in the right. way that you want them to and get bigger. Right? They can't rehydrate. They can't—you uh, know—you can't—you won't see any real change. Makes sense. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> PD just producer PD just burped in my face. He's
0: been thinking about digestion while we've been talking.
1: Yeah, maybe since he's having some problems in his guts. Are you so cute? Anyway, so uh, I see athletes do one of two things. One, they overload constantly and they never deload. And then they complain to me about how they're working so hard they're not seeing any progress. And I'm like, you need to rest. Right. You need to rest more. You need to recover more. Like, Like, you know, LeChance was talking about this last episode for a games athlete, when they're not working out, they're recovering. They're spending all of their time focusing on recovery.
0: The harder your workouts, the harder your your recovery has yeah. to be. Yeah.
1: And the more often you're stressing the same muscle groups, the more you have to recover. Right. And you have to and they're they're also supplementing their recovery. You know, they're right. taking supplements to quickly, you know, hasten that recovery and be able to overload that system in the same way again. And that's something that
0: I see where it can be so hard especially when people are really competitive or they really enjoy working out, it can be the last thing you want to hear, to be like, hey, why don't you actually try taking a recovery day?
1: Why don't you try deloading for a little while? Yeah. Yeah. It can be very hard for people to hear. On the flip side, I see some athletes who deload constantly and don't really like to overload or don't find um, that they can mentally get themselves to do it. So, like, people come in and they, they're like, oh, I don't know, last week I did 115 pounds for my deadlift for a set of eight. This week it sets of six, but uh, I'm just going to do, like, 115 again because that felt fine. And it's okay to train that way if you want to, but you shouldn't have any expectations. <laughs> right. Because if, if you just are kind of, like, looking at the process and going, like, I'll just kind of do what I want. Uh, you're not going to really see a ton of results. But if you follow through an overload cycle and you purposely try to overload your body and then you follow it with a deload right afterwards, Mm. you are definitely going to see great results. Mm -hmm. So, like, for example, uh, let's say we do three weeks of training. We We deadlift once a week, and every time we're deadlifting, we're doing the same rep scheme, but we're increasing the weight of the deadlift. On that fourth week, you're going to go down in weight, and maybe even you'll go down in reps. Okay. So, like, maybe you're doing eight sets of five first week, and then the next week you're doing five sets of ten, and then the next week you are got the heaviest weight you can, you're doing 12 sets of three. On the fourth week, you might do three sets of three at a percentage that is 20% lower than what you did in your third week.
0: Mm.
1: So you're still moving the system in the same way, but you're Allowing your muscles to catch up. Right.
0: So it's not all or nothing.
1: Right. Exactly. And once you come off that deload, then you enter a new cycle that starts a little bit low, like starts, starts a little bit lower than the third week of the old cycle, but starts higher than the first week. Right. You overload again and you deload again. So there's always
0: kind of a, there is a, a trend in one direction, but it's not super, it's well, it's linear, but there's kind of bumps up and down. Yes. You're slowly, like, working your way up. Right. Towards and we goal. talked about
1: this last week, but, like, strength training is not a linear process. Like, you're going to see a lot of ups and downs. The overall one-rep maxes, five-rep maxes, three-rep maxes, those will go up. But your weights that you're lifting are going to continually go down and up, down and up, down mm. and up, or you won't you won't see the progress that you're looking for. You can't just lift maximal load every single day. And expect to see those weights going up. Right. They'll just be always at your maximal load. <laughs> and you'll be in a lot of pain. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. So um, a lot. one popular way of doing it is really that three weeks on one week deload. Mm. So you'll see a lot of programs that are built around that. That are three weeks of increasing load one week off. And n- not necessarily off. Uh, you don't have to take yet week off. But during that week, you might do uh, accessory movements like things that are just if you're if you've been doing a deadlift progression, maybe you'll do good mornings, which is a weighted element at a much lower weight that is an accessory movement to work on your back strength. Right. Maybe you'll do bent over rows, which will work on your shoulder strength and you'll be in the same deadlift position, but you won't be lifting 300 pounds off the floor. Right. Um, So that's one strategy that people use commonly. Uh, There are other strategies that people can use. Like uh, some people will do a um, cycle that's like 12 weeks followed by a full deload where they do nothing or they do very little Mm. or they don't even touch the weights that they were using before. But even within that 12 weeks, there is still an up and down. There is still, you know, these smaller cycles inside of there. Right. Yeah. So and then um, a lot of people are looking at, like, if you're talking about Olympic athletes, they're looking at an uh, overload and deload process that is years long. Mm. So they're looking at a much larger macro cycle picture mm. probably than most of us are. Right. Most of us are looking at, like, 12 weeks at a time, 24 weeks at a time. Some people are just trying to get through a month, yeah. you know? Uh, but each each cycle that you're looking at should have a, a structured deload. So your, your overall larger cycle, your macro cycle, should have a deload. Like your year-long cycle should have a built-in time when you're purposely tapering or purposely pulling back for several weeks. Um, Like uh, for somebody who is doing Olympic lifting as their year-round sport, they might take they might build up to their largest meet, and then after that meet, they might just do light CrossFit for three weeks, Mm -hmm. six weeks after that meet, and not touch a snatch or clean and jerk. Or not touch a snatch and clean and jerk above 70%. So that's your macro cycle deload. That's your large scale deload of taking like rest weeks, months, taking time off or doing lightweight stuff. Mm. And then there's smaller mesocycle deloads that are like 12 weeks on, one week off, 12 weeks on, one week off, or 24 weeks building, you know, Three weeks deloading, like that. And then there's also the m- most microcycle overload deload, which is like three weeks on one week deload, three weeks on one week deload. sure. So there's for a programmer, you're looking at the whole spectrum. And it depends on what your athlete wants. Uh, in a crossFit gym, we're looking at like cycles that you know s- stretch anywhere from 12 to 24 weeks mm-hmm. as a programmer. You're not like you a- as a programmer, look at the full year, but it's not as realistic to concern yourself with. Right. Uh, you're you not.
0: To, you need to keep things fairly general
1: because of yeah. Just how
0: many people are coming exactly.
1: in. exactly, and how, how infrequently some might come in, and just like you can't predict everybody's pattern. Right. So like I personally, as a CrossFit programmer, am not building in a purposeful six-week deload. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I am training uh, an Olympic weightlifting athlete. I would do that. I would look at their full year. Right. Or if I were to be training a games athlete, somebody who is building towards an event, then that's how I would train them. You would go, you would build, build up towards the games, taper to the games, in some to some level, and then after the games, you'd have a purposeful deload that would be lighter, a little bit more freedom. The athlete might be able to choose their own workouts. You're probably not going to max them out for a little while.
0: Very methodical.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So as a yeah as a coach, if you are ignoring the deload because you're trying to force your athlete to give you some result that you want, you're gonna end up hurting your athlete.
0: It's definitely not something where I feel like you can have pride in pushing an athlete to hit some number for your own. And I will tell you that
1: is a very common thing that I see among inexperienced coaches. And I don't mean, like, coaches at our gym. Like, I don't mean coaches that are new to coaching. I mean coaches that are programming for athletes. I see um, newer coaches thinking that the only way to get better is to do more. The only way to get better is to do heavier. And you should continue to do that forever until you blow your athlete out. Ouch. Yeah. It's, Again, it's, ouch. It's not good. It's not good. And I, you know, I think that is part of what Alex was talking about last week when mm-hmm. she was really experiencing this over, this overload of her system, and wasn't given any time to recover from an injury that likely came from overtraining anyway. Yep. Um, and you know, like she was mentioning, not using her glutes and not no, not having body awareness during movements, and uh, if her coach had set aside time for her to deload and recover, she would have been that much stronger going into her next set of events which was the open definitely so as a, as a coach it's really important to understand why structured deload is important and as an athlete it's important to take advantage of that time it's hard to do i myself when i'm deloading i am like all i want to do is lift this week because you <laughs> feel good during your deload, you feel really good. That's yeah. the point. <laughs> you're supposed to feel recovered. Like, I am so strong. I yeah. can do what I want to do now. Exactly. But when you hit that new cycle, you're going to be stronger because you allowed yourself to actually build the muscle that you were seeking. Right. Um. So it's really important to understand it. And as, a, as an athlete, it's important to take ownership over your deload, especially if you are going to a CrossFit gym where they're not going to program the same level of deload that you need Mm -hmm. if you're coming in six days a week. Right. So, like, I specifically program so that every 12-week cycle has three deload weeks included. And then usually after our cycle, we'll take a real true deload where we do almost no weightlifting whatsoever. And for us, that works to have that system. Um, But if you're an athlete who's doing then open gym and you're training powerlifting team as well, You have to be more conscious of taking your deload weeks on purpose and you have to be really aware of taking deload um, or complete offload time. Right. Like you might, I personally choose one week every year where I have a full recovery week where I do not touch any weight.
0: Well, and if you think about other sports, there are on seasons and off seasons. So I think CrossFit is interesting where there isn't necessarily going to be unless it's programmed in there isn't an offer on season
1: right and there are for the top athletes they are really working through a season like now that the game's season is over most of those athletes you're not going to see them on instagram posting one at maxes this for these next few weeks because Mm -hmm. their coaches are purposely deloading them Mm -hmm. they went into the games hard they were purposely at peak so they hit the games at their peak um, if they weren't peaked, you could probably tell mm-hmm. if athletes looked like they were getting blown out after three days. For the athletes that survived all five days and really did well, they were at their peak when mm-hmm. they came into the competition. And now they are purposely working at lower weight. They might be working at similar volume, depending on the athlete, but they uh, some of them are going to be working at lower volume. Um, they're going to be doing things that they haven't done in a while, like to try some fun skills that are a little bit less taxing for them uh, they might be doing more workouts that just have straight-up burpees yeah. grunt work type yeah. of stuff yeah. and they're probably nutrition wise also deloading mm-hmm. they might be increasing their calories or uh, you know taking in more fat because they're working on recovery yep so pairing those things together is really great too but um, even if you are just like the average person taking purposeful deload if especially if you're purposely overloading is essential to your success.
0: I think it's a nice way to think about it too because as someone who's coming from a non-athletic background and identifying with people who are coming into crossfit or whatever from from basically from nothing thinking about respecting rest and having that be under the umbrella of training versus training only being when I'm doing physical movement and then rest being like, oh, but I'm resting. Oh, but I shouldn't. Yeah. No, respecting that.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of ways to deload. Um, Like, you know, the most common way that you see is people reduce weight and most often they reduce volume as well. So you might see, like I said, like a set of three by three at 60% versus the week before it was five by ten. So in that case, we're reducing the number of reps you're doing, and we're also making those reps lighter. Mm-hmm. So that's one, one common way. You'll also see people spend a deload time doing only body weight skills. So they're still working out, and they might still be working out for the same length of time at the same um, level of intensity. Sure. But they're not doing weighted as many weighted elements or as heavy weighted elements. Sure. So they're doing, like, 30 minutes on the dine with – Uh, Some squats and push-ups and stuff in between Can you
0: tell people what an air (laughs) dive is? It's a
1: bike. It's like a stationary bike Um, Or they might do like a long run Mm -hmm. Something that is not going to Tax their system in the same way Or you might see people Reduce intensity So they might do um, A workout that they would have done During their overload but it's going to be Less intensity. They'll do it at 75-80% effort And uh, They maybe will Like try to keep their Heart rate at a certain level too. Sure. So some sometimes during a deload week, I'll purposely keep my heart rate below 150. Right. And that you know to stay more in the cardio zone, so that I'm not like taxing my anaerobic system the whole time because I was just doing that for three weeks. Right. So there are a lot of ways to do it. Uh, Depends on your goal and depends on what you've been doing. But there's no right or wrong way to deload. Uh, The only wrong way would be if you're just not deloading, (laughs) if you're just (laughs) overloading the whole time.
0: Right. Right. There's balance and ideally you're able to seek out a coach or have someone knowledgeable to help you either learn about deloading and overloading or be able to pr- provide that structure yeah. for you continually.
1: Yeah. And you can make it very complicated or not very complicated. Yeah. Uh, like you can make it complicated enough to the point where you're looking at um, the week structure and saying, you know, on day one of my week, I'm going to go heavy. Day three, I'm going light. Day five, I'm going medium. Mm. So you're purposely building a deload within the week. That would be, like, that's great for an athlete who's doing a lot of the same repetitive movements like Olympic weightlifting or powerlifting because you are probably snatching more than once a week or you're clean cleaning more than once a week. Uh, for the CrossFit athlete, it's more like you can think of it like a three-week, one-week overload and deload cycle. But um, if you just want to make it really simplistic, think about, Think about that three, three and one, three weeks, one week. Sure. And then on a larger scale, think about 12 weeks, one week.
0: So it makes me curious what my challenge is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel like your challenge is to actually hit overload. Okay. Because I think, I don't think you're the type of athlete that doesn't try like to overload themselves. But I do think that you haven't, I don't know that you have pushed yourself to a point where you, your body is desiring a a deload.
0: Yeah, I don't think I have either.
1: Yeah, so why don't we try, it's going to be kind of a long challenge, it's going to be a long con. (laughs) I want you to build a three week, one week. Okay. So, as we're going into this next week, um, you're going to be doing an AMRAP, Mm -hmm. then you're going to have a purposeful deload
0: mm-hmm.
1: actually as we're going to this next week you have been coming on mondays right yep so you're going to be starting a new deadlift cycle this week so you're going to be heavy deadlifting this coming monday and then you'll heavy deadlift and then you'll heavy deadlift and then you're going to take a deload on your deadlift cool i've already written it for you okay so i want you to go as t- i want you to make those three weeks as challenging as humanly possible to you on the deadlift especially because the deadlift is your tenuous lift yes it's the one you struggle with the most yes You're going to purposely overload your deadlift. Okay. On your third week, I want you to do work as hard as possible. Okay. Do as many reps as possible on that last set because it's an AMRAP set. It's an as many reps as possible set. I want you to push yourself. And then on that deload week, notice how it's structured Mm. and purposely slow down. Don't work as hard as possible. Try to take that week to recover slightly more focus more on um, doing like cardio elements and metabolic elements rather than worrying about lifting heavy Mm -hmm. and tell me how you feel at the end of that fourth week.
0: I will. I think this will be great too, especially focused on the deadlift because that is a move that I approach so gingerly. Yes. I'm so, I have a lot of trepidation about it, but I am feeling stronger about it. Mm -hmm. So I think now is actually a wonderful time for me to um, push through it more and push with it. All right. I challenge anyone who's listening to think about this too. Yes. Give yourself some time for a longer challenge.
1: Yeah, my challenge to the listeners would be to think about the fact that um, it's good to give your coach like 100% onus over your programming, especially because you have so many other things going on in your life. But if you're not paying attention to the programming, if you're not listening to what is happening or or observing what's happening and taking advantage of it, you might not see the progress you want to see and maybe that doesn't super matter maybe you're just doing it for uh to keep your body healthy and you know making huge gains is not important to you and that's fine too but if it is important to you then start paying attention to the way we do things the cycles we follow um and track how they go and follow along and make them work for you and ask
0: your coach questions
1: too please do i love to answer those questions but i don't always spend time telling everybody all the minute details because I'm afraid I will bore them to death, <laughs> and they will not read my blog posts anymore. And they'll be like, "That's enough. We need to just work out now." Or yep. like, "I didn't come here to think," which and I totally get. Not think. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. So, so that's uh, the, that's the long game. I love it. Digestion
0: yeah. and deload. So
1: much, so much to think about. We're we're like really <laughs> like okay, think about how you eat. Think about how you lift. Think about how often you lift. (laughs) Think about how often you eat. Slow down, but then also speed up. Jeez. (laughs) Uh, But don't get stressed out about it. Don't get stressed out about (laughs) it because then it'll be worse for your whole body. (laughs) Just try to relax. Listen to the sound of Lucia's voice. (laughs) (laughs) She describes the digestive system. Okay. Okay, uh, This has been great. Um next week we're interviewing somebody. We are. We have a great interview with our friend Austin Hartkey. He's gonna come in and talk about a lot of different things. Specifically, we're gonna interview him and talk to talk to him about um, transitioning and what that's like when your body is changing hormonally and you're still trying to work out and make gains and all sorts of stuff. And Austin is a very interesting person. Um, he is involved in the church and is an advocate for transgender people in in the church he's kind of badass
0: i'm so excited yeah so i'm really excited for that
1: y'all should tune in make sure you listen up and take notes Just take notes all the time you know
0: and tweet us again tweet us questions you have for austin or for us let us know what the challenges have been like you any challenge that hannah and i give each other or we get from guests they're applicable to anyone I don't think we've oh had yeah. one yet that has been so sp- specific that no one don't can do Don't just make us do them. Yeah. So tweet us, Sokana Podcast.
1: Find us on Twitter. Yes, Get at, at Podcast. We've got a great gif up there right now. Hell yeah. Alicia. <laughs> <From> <laughs> so you should go check that out. Um, yes, and also feel free to uh, just bother us in all the ways. Do it. We want to hear from you. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, thank you to our magical producer, Petey and our actual producer, (laughs) Taj, you know the feeling that you get when you're under the covers and you've got like freshly clean sheets and you're about to go to bed and it's like warm and your room smells good and you just feel so cozy? That's Taj Ruler. So thank you to her. (laughs) Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time on Cast. See you next week.
0: Cast is produced by taj ruler subscribe on itunes or visit sulconacast.libsyn.com that's l-i-b-s-y-n.com for full episode information you can also visit our website at sulcanafitness.com to stay up to date on everything health and fitness join in on the conversation over on facebook twitter and instagram at Sulcona CrossFit. see you there